0: Hello and welcome to The Unqualified Historian, a podcast that's basically history for dummies with me, Rebecca. So, I'm doing this podcast because I wanted to learn some facts about history. I just clearly never wanted to learn when education was free and in its abundance, though, did I? And I tried to find a podcast that would cater to my need of layman's terms, but they were all like two highbrow Radio 4 star programs. Or then the other end of the spectrum was that they were ones for kids and they were just really cringe because they're trying to make it fun and force fun just isn't fun. So this way I can live my childhood dream of being a teacher by teaching you, if anyone ever listens, without having to deal with actual kids. So I want to go through everything from the Big Bang to the Blitz to who built the pyramids to where Malaysian flight, whatever that number is. Um and it'll be like lots of different topics so it'll be the something for everyone at some point i also don't just want to go through it in chronological order because some bits are all the same to me like all the middle agey bits like bronze age iron age they, they're all the same to me so i want to keep it varied so we'll be flitting back and forth through time um so just a little disclaimer i'm not a qualified historian i don't even have the relevant gcses let alone degrees But I am excellent at watching documentaries and I am amazing at Googling. Like, if you ever have any symptoms that you need Googling, like, come to me and I will find out what your problem is and it will not be imminent death. That's how good I am. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm actually doing a podcast. It's so exposing on my personality. (laughs) Like, if you do a podcast on your own, it's just you and your full personality because you don't have anyone to hide from. Or is it just me that hides my real personality? But yeah, if you like listening to someone with an annoying voice, voice, who knows fuck all about history, then this is the podcast for you, my friend. So to start things off this week, we'll be on the topic of pirates, and more specifically Blackbeard and the Queen and Revenge. So why do we like pirates? Well, I like pirates because they just seem so cool, don't they? Like pop culture has just made pirates absolutely phenomenal. phenomenal and exciting and just really badass and cool like the Pirates of the Caribbean films it's just great I'm sure it was not like that in real life and we will go on to find out I'm also the only things that I know well I know a lot about him now but the only things that I knew about Blackbeard were like the guy from Pirates of the Caribbean and potentially some other cartoons that there may have been that I watched when I was younger that had blackbeard in I don't know I literally just assumed he was a pirate who had a black beard. that was honestly all I knew before I started researching this podcast so pirates have been around for a long time there's an age-old adage which is piracy is old as the sea which seems to be a bit of an exaggeration unless there were little krill running around the sea looting from each other but it's basically as old as we've used the sea to transport anything Even in the ancient world, coastal raiders stole from Greek and Roman ships. And I think we can safely say, wherever there are trade routes, pirates have been around. So just a bit of background about piracy. In the 16th century, the trade empire was global. And amidst various conflicts within Europe, piracy really grew from strength to strength. Back in the 16th century, England licensed certain ships in the Caribbean and they were called privateers. And these privateers had to take down foreign ships from enemy nations, particularly France and Spain, because they were the ones that we had serious beef with at the time. One of the first recorded privateers is a man called Francis Drake. Francis Drake was born in the early 1540s in Devon, growing up in Plymouth. He had the command of his own ships by the 1560s. So he was in his 20s, that's pretty impressive. He had an early dislike for the Spanish as he tried to sell slaves to New Spain. I did not check this. I did not fact check this, but I'm assuming New Spain is Mexico. I don't know. Could be totally wrong, but that's what I'm going with. Um, So selling slaves in New Spain was illegal there. So Francis and his crew were attacked and many of his crew were killed. Drake escaped, and after leading two successful trips to the West Indies, Queen Elizabeth commissioned his ships to wage economic terror against her enemy. In December 1577, Drake left Plymouth to go all the way around South America to loot from the East Coast. So, like, he got in his boat, and he just went all the way around the bottom. It was basically in the Antarctic. How did they not hit an iceberg? How were they not freezing to death? Maybe I don't understand geography enough, but that just seems absolutely mental to me. And surely that must have taken forever. That is absolutely not a cruise I want to go on, thank you very much. Um, anyway, I digress. Um, upon his journey, he heard of a boat, a Spanish boat, called the Caca Vague, And this boat was carrying gold and other valuables back from Panama. This boat was twice the size of their boat, so in order to attack it, they acted like a merchant ship. And to find out who this mysterious ship was, the Kakavego turned around. And then when they were parallel, Drake blew down the centre mast of the Kakavego and his armed crew jumped aboard. The crew on the Kakavego had no time to arm their men. So, obviously, Drake and his crew were one. It took them six days to load the booty from the Kakavego onto their boat. Six days. I've, I've got, you've got to think that they were taking a lot of breaks because, honestly, how would there be that much on the boat? And then, like, if you were going to transfer all that stuff, surely you had a lot of stuff on your own boat. How did it not sink? I'm guessing there were a lot of breaks. Anyway, as I was saying, Drake came back to England two years later. So, yeah, it was a, it was a long cruise. He was the first Englishman to circumnavigate the globe. Drake seemed to set the pirate, like, the pirate standard, but he didn't actually become a pirate himself. He went on to do many more things, but I think it was his cunning and ruthlessness that the pirates admired. Most pirates were ex-privateers. With no transferable skills following the end of the war, they found it easier to loot and steal from ships. And that leads us on to Mr Blackbeard. So there's not much information about Blackbeard's early life. Pirates tend to use pseudonyms, and it wasn't until Blackbeard was in full pirate swing that printing and newspapers had started to take off. Most historians agree that his name was Edward Teach, but he also went under Tack, Thatch, and even Drummond. Blackbeard was born around 1680, so it was presumed he was born in Bristol, but it also could have been Jamaica. Hear me out. So they recently found documents that show a record of Blackbeard signing over his father's estate to his stepmother in Jamaica. But I I don't really feel like that proves that he was born in Jamaica. I mean, they... Probably just moved. Like, his father was a captain, so they weren't hard up and they were of high social status. So they probably just moved to Jamaica and retired there in the sunshine. Um, But, like, the high social status is an unusual background for a pirate, for sure. In the late 1600s, Bristol was a bustling port city, bringing goods such as sugar, rum, cotton, and unfortunately it controlled and started the slave trade. And I thought this was really interesting. At the time, it was England's second largest port and city next to London. Which, I never ever think about Bristol being like a port. I mean, I know it's on a bit of water, but I just forget that that water is very close to the sea. Blows my mind every time. So historians aren't exactly sure how Blackbeard began his life at sea. It's presumed he was a crew member on a merchant boat or... Potentially, he joined the Navy, but Blackbeard would have been able to read, navigate maps and generally have a higher intelligence than other crew members during his due to his middle class upbringing. He became a privateer during the War of the Spanish Succession, thanks to his skills as a sailor, which is basically a war about who was going to rule Spain. In 1716, Blackbeard then partnered up with Benjamin Hornigold, a fellow privateer who took Blackbeard under his wing. The two sailed the west coast of America, plundering ships. Hornigold then retired and gave Blackbeard control of his ship. In 1717, Blackbeard captured a French ship, La Concorde. It was a merchant ship used to transport slaves. Blackbeard christened the boat the Queen Anne's Revenge and pimped it up with 40 cannons, a crew of approximately 300, and various flags. The classic Jolly Roger, but also he used a black flag which had like a skeleton holding a spear next to a bloody heart. It kind of looks a bit kitsch now, but I imagine it would probably been quite scary about them. So by this point, Blackbeard had the governor and chief of justice from the Carolinas, North and South Carolina, in his pocket. So he could lord over the seas unruled, basically. They typically tend to blind eye because pirates brought in goods that they couldn't get because they didn't want to trade with the Spanish and French. One of the descriptions I found of him reads as follows. His beard was black, which he suffered to grow to extravagant length. In time of action, he struck matches under his hat, appearing on each side of his face, mating altogether a figure that imagination cannot form such an idea of fury from hell. Another was... He was psychopathically addicted to violence, and as ferocious as his image, savagely unpredictable, with fierce eyes and a monstrous face. Kind of scary. I wouldn't want to meet him in the dark night. His weapons of choice were six loaded pistols, three of which were strapped across his chest, two cutlasses, and a musket. His favorite weapon was a blunderbuss, which it's like it's basically a musket. But the recoil on it is so strong that it would break your shoulder if you held it where you would, like, you know, look to aim. So with the blunderbuss, you had to hold it with your waist, but like then turn with it on the recoil. If that makes sense, I'm doing the movement, but you can't sit. It caused devastating wounds because of how it exploded. You'd be unlikely to survive a shot from a blunderbuss. Even if you could remove all the fragments of bullets, you'd struggle to remove the fragments of clothing and they'd probably just turn gangrenous, and you'd die anyway. Although Blackbeard is notorious for being violent, terrifying and ruthless, there's no actual evidence of this. It's rumoured he killed for fun and one of the most famous rumours is that he killed his first mate during a game of poker and killed half his crew so he'd have a greater share of the treasure. But all the written accounts of Blackbeard state the contrary. There are many accounts of Blackbeard being a good captain. He would recruit from crews he'd taken over. I mean, he would kidnap them too, but we're just going to gloss over that for now. And pirate codes were real and he abided by those. For example, crews were compensated for injury. If someone lost an arm, they'd get 600 pieces of eight. Um, A side mm. note, pieces of eight are were melted down gold that they stole from the Aztecs and Incas. Mm. Oh, I always think it's weird to think of them being around at the same time because it's just totally different time periods, but there we go. He also kept the chef from the Le Concorde, so French cuisine all around. Um, some of the crew said it was the finest cuisine they'd ever had. Although I'm not really sure how fine a cousin can be on a boat that's been out to sea for six months. That's kind of gross. He kept his hair really long and his beard was really bushy. So this would have been the opposite of society norms of a gentleman back then. And he coated his beard with wax so it wouldn't burn and he'd light tapers inside his beard to be frightening and intimidating. But it's likely he just cultivated the ruthless killer image. He was certainly ready to cause harm with his weapons, but it was far easier to have a fearsome reputation so that ships surrender because fights are costly and they'll damage his winnings. There's less crew members to replace and less damage to the ship. To entrap the ships, they'd throw up camaraderie flags and then when the ship that they were trying to get was too close to get away, they'd then replace it with either the Jolly Roger or the skeleton figure with the bloody heart spike thing. And I can imagine this would be to strike fear, forcing them to surrender at the last moment. It seems Blackbeard was a bit of a romantic. He loved women and they loved him. It is estimated that he had about 14 wives. He was popular, charismatic and intelligent. Pirates were assumed to be wealthier and adventurous because of their stealing. And he married in every port he could visit, usually under pseudonyms. There were no reports of him being unkind to women. He just really enjoyed their company. You might assume that he married to be romantic rather than visiting brothels. But apparently, if a pirate was caught and put on trial, sometimes they were given an opportunity for a character witness. So maybe a magistrate, the people who married them, and the wives themselves would be called up to say good things at their trial. So might get a little bit of a lighter sentence. It was also rumoured that he buried treasure, but this is likely a myth. In the 1600s, treasure meant valuables. So instead of looting gold, they wanted medicines, spices, silk, sugar, rum, all that good stuff. After all, gold would really weigh down a ship. Blackbeard's most famous siege was when he held the town of Charleston, North Carolina, to ransom. There are reports that he had the governor and his child hostage, but there are differing accounts, so I'm not too sure how true that is. But historians can confirm that he successfully caused a blockade to the port. Why did he go to all this effort? He needed medicine. Diseases were rife on board ships, particularly STIs, so they wanted medicine and how that medicine was used, put a pin in that because we'll come back to that in a minute. In 1717, the king had issued a proclamation saying that they would eliminate piracy once and for all. They were giving pirates a chance to be pardoned, usually they'd be tried and hanged. But the king said, if you turn yourself in and name the accomplices, you can be pardoned and keep your loot. At the Beaufort Inlet in North Carolina, Blackbeard realised he'd become too recognisable because of the Queen Anne's revenge and his notorious image. So one day he got his crew drunk and crashed a ship on Beaufort, Beaufort Inlet sandbank. He then went inland and pleaded with the governor for his pardon and he got it. But on his way back out, he goes and gets 40 of his favourite most skillful pirates and goes off on a small ship disappearing into the night. But then, in 1718, the very next year, he's back into piracy, and the government of Virginia decided enough was enough. So the governor of Virginia hatched a plan to trap Blackbeard. Now, again there's differing accounts. Some are saying the Coast Guard was posing as a few merchant ships, hoping to lure in Blackbeard. Blackbeard then attacked the ships and led his crew on board the lead ship, which seemingly had skeleton crew. Then the soldiers came up from the lower deck, ambushing Blackbeard and his crew. But other reports say that they just started to keep maritime activity records, so they were ready and waiting for Blackbeard. They then bombarded his ship, and there was hand-to-hand combat, where Lieutenant Maynard of the Coast Guard stabbed Blackbeard in the leg. Regardless of the differing accounts, most accounts agree Blackbeard was slashed with cutlasses 20 times and shot five musket balls took him down. Blackbeard was then decapitated with his head on the bow of the ship as it was paraded up and down the east coast as a warning to anyone else. His head was then put on a spike in Hampton, serving more of a warning to other pirates. He was about 35 to 40 when he died, and legend has it his skull was encased in silver and used as a drinking vessel in taverns in Virginia. How cool is that? If I had a bar in Virginia, or anywhere near, anywhere in any of the Carolinas, I would absolutely get a fake one and pretend it was the real deal. That would be my, that would be my, what is it, what's that word? Je ne sais quoi. That's not the word that I'm looking for, but you know what I mean. Selling point, I don't know. You know what I mean. In 1996, a wreck was found, believed to be the Queen of Dan's Revenge, in New North Carolina, It was confirmed in 2011 that it was indeed the Queen Anne's revenge. And for 15 years it was excavated and studied. It had many cannons, cutlasses, pistols and a massive anchor. There's got to be a pun in there somewhere. There's actually a maritime museum in North Carolina that displays a lot of these items. I'd love to go there and have a look at those. If anyone wants to pay for me to go, that'd be great. Um, we just mentioned the Siege of Charleston where they were demanding medicine. Well, it also seems that they got this because they found a lot of urethal syringes in the wreckage. So sailors would use these to syringe mercury through their urethra to alleviate syphilis symptoms, which it just that really makes me clench. The Mary Rose Museum has a syringe, a urethral syringe from this era on display and honestly it's massive. It's like the size of a bike football pump, thick needle, like oh god. And they're just pumping mercury down that, which, you know, may well mask the symptoms of syphilis, but then you're gonna die of mercury, but it blows my mind. Like, oh god, no, me, thank you. So that's the end of Blackbeard. Uh, Basically, he's the most famous pirate by just catfishing everyone into thinking he's really scary, and that sounds pretty wise. Um, So thank you very much for listening, if anyone has, and please join me next week where we will be discussing King Tutankhamun. Bye.